Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Philippa Hanna is a singer-songwriter who is mostly associated with the contemporary Christian music genre and I'm really excited and delighted to say that I'm joined by Philippa today. So welcome to the podcast, how are you doing today? I'm good, yeah, I'm just getting over a really horrible nasty cold Um, but apart from that I'm doing pretty good. Great. So I'd like you to take me back to when you were younger and sort of tell me how you got into music and singing. Mm. Well, I think my earliest memories are watching my dad on stage. So my dad is an entertainer. He's kind of retired now, but um, he used to do all of the sort of big variety clubs and holiday camps and festivals. And so I just used to watch him from side of stage he would sing, he would tell jokes, he would play guitar. Um, he used to do this one man band thing where he played bass pedals with his feet and control the drum machine with another, with his other foot. And it was just like, he was just so talented. And that's how I got into sort of country music and folk music and classic tunes. And then when I turned 13, I started writing songs. It just was something that kind of came up out of me when I turned 13. And that sort of led me through some difficult years. Being able to write songs helped me to process my difficult teenage years and things like that. And those were really difficult years, which kind of um, eventually led me towards faith, which we'll probably talk about a bit later. But um, just music has always been a way of processing for me. So I recorded my first proper demo at 13. um, And then when I was 14, 15, 16 was just like, trying to get signed by major record labels and things like that and doing lots of independent releases so that's just the story in a nutshell really and compared to when you were 13 how has your voice or your style maybe evolved good question I think at 13 I mean I used to write all my own songs and it was quite quirky really it it was just probably like um happy pop you might you might say some of it was a bit moodier Uh, And I used to do some, when I sort of became 15, 16, I used to do what we call top lining. So writing the melody and lyrics for dance music. So house tunes, EDM, and uh, some R&B as well. But now I I think like what I write now is more, um, I I like to think of it as me sort of expressing my journey in music. So it's a bit like a journal um, and lifting quite catchy and has some of all those influences in there. So country, country folk, soul, pop, kind of a mixture of all that. Who do you kind of look up to as like a, a singer or, you know, someone who maybe influenced your your journey? Because I feel like like I've listened to your songs and and I kind of, some, some of your country ones, I kind of get a bit of a Taylor Swift kind of vibe in your kind of, I don't know, you look mm. like... I don't know if that's an insult. I think that's a compliment, but <laughs> it's a, definitely a compliment. But I think um, it, it, she wasn't really around when I was forming my style, so um, she's great. But actually, my earlier sort of influences were my first favorite singer was Whitney Houston. Then I got hugely into Stevie Wonder in my early teens and Michael Jackson and just all that good pop soul. Um, and then my country influences came from people like a singer called Brad Paisley, 
Carrie Underwood, those great songs. My dad used to sing things by like Johnny Cash and Dolly Parton and then people like Simon and Garfunkel. So that's where the good songwriting influences probably would be. Um, but I just got a really eclectic taste. So I, I like so many things. I definitely went through an Alanis Morissette phase. I don't know if you know Alanis Morissette, but she's a Canadian singer. You must look her up. She's a Canadian singer who just basically, she just fully was so honest in her songs. She would talk about like her relationship with her body and relationships. And she was just so brutally honest and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't like delicate lyrics. It was like, you know, this sucks kind of thing, or I'm lost, I'm a mess. And I just, it really sort of drew me in. So I think that's where I got my kind of influence for being honest in music. Yeah, and so was it at 13 where you realized like you can sing? Cause I know like at high school, well, my high school, you've got people who think they can sing, but can't sing, or, you know, they're just really confident and sort of scream it out. At what point did you kind of go, no, do you know what? I know I can sing. People are listening to me and I know I'm good. I think I was actually about two or three. Um, and I knew that um, I kind of could copy singers a little bit. I could copy styles and do impressions of people. And so I remember doing an impression of Whitney. Obviously, it wasn't Whitney grade and, and never will be. Um, but it was. I used to sing Whitney songs and my parents were just like, wow, my dad being a singer, he was like, he was so excited and he used to make me perform for everyone. And I just always ended up getting made to sing at everywhere we went. So it was like, oh, come on, Philippa, give us a song, whether it was a family party or getting up on stage with my dad at age two, age nine, age 13. Um, when I started writing my own songs, uh, my first appearance doing that was at my cousin's wedding, which is not unusual. Um, but the unusual thing was that my cousin was called Danny McNamara, sorry, Richard McNamara, Danny's the brother, Richard McNamara, and he was a member of a band called Embrace, who were huge in the 90s. So all the record labels were at his wedding and all the A&R people, and I just had an amazing response, and they were all kind of taking me aside to chat to me about my plans. And I think um, I also, I should say that I had a horrible experience when I started singing at school. So like when I sort of was invited up to sing a solo or whatever in the choir or school concert, the other kids started to be really mean to me about it and um, sort of make cruel comments like, oh, you think you're so good, you know, you're showing off. And it was just like, that was my first encounter with, with being bullied really. And it got to a point where I, I didn't open my mouth without being really cruelly, harshly mocked. So that gave me a real issue with singing in public, to be honest, um, which took me years to overcome. But I just noticed that when I sing, it had an effect, like it was, people weren't ignoring it. So um, it's a bit of a journey, really. Yeah, and from like 13, did you realize that was when you wanted to kind of be a singer, do it professionally, have it as your job, or, or did you kind of just think it would be a hobby? I didn't want singing to be my job. For a while, I wanted to be a dancer <laughs> and I loved to dance so much, um, but I always loved to write songs. And I think it was when, when I figured out I could write songs, I just was like, oh, I so want people to hear this. And it was quite unusual for a 13, 14 year old to program all their own music and have like a bank of 50 or 60 songs. And um, 
so I knew that was unusual and I was like, oh, I feel like there's something really here. Um, and then when I started writing with other people, uh, I got really busy doing that. So I think I just, yeah, I really wanted people to hear my songs. That's what I wanted more than to be a singer. Yeah, definitely. And so like listeners might be wondering what what is a process? What is the process of a singer when they write a song? Do you kind of do it all in one sitting or are you in the middle of the night and roll over and have some lyrics and then you, you write away? What kind of process is it for you? More the second one than the first. Um, so I I was talking to somebody about this today, actually. My process has changed over the years. So it used to be that I used to sit down at the piano and just find things. Um, and then I started playing guitar and similar sort of thing. But now it's more like I collect ideas. So, um, you know, whatever might be going on at the time, whether I'm on a train and I see some kind of scenario that looks interesting and I think, what's that old lady doing there? What's her story? You know, why why is she sort of, why is she confronting that man? What's going on? And like um, unpack ideas and collect them and try to sort of anything that's meaningful, I try and put that into my phone as a as a as a voice note or just a written note, whatever. And um and then they just start to unroll in my head and I'll start to sing in my head. You know, the way you might just listen to a song that exists already. You have it in your head. It's like that, but it just starts to write itself in my head as I'm walking around. And eventually I'll either sit that down with my guitar and finish it, or I'll get into a room with another writer and finish it with them. And that's my better way of doing it. I love that way. That's my favorite way because um, quite often you'll hit a bit of a dead end with an idea. And the minute you put it in someone else's hand, they'll just go, what about this? And what about this? And kind of it, it sort of gets rid of the writer's block moment. So I, I love co-writing and I think it's, it's really magical. Yeah. And as like I mentioned in the intro, so your songs are like influenced by your Christian faith. So if, why, why don't you talk to me a bit about your testimony? Have you always been a Christian or was it something you kind of were led to? What kind of happened for you in that area? I would say no, I wasn't always a Christian. I was I was never an atheist ever. And I think even from being a little child, I just thought the world is so beautiful. And, um, and I just kind of thought that there must be more. And I guess because I had a strong sense of imagination and fantasy, uh, obviously the idea of heaven and stuff like that just made sense to me and I loved it. But I wasn't a Christian, never went to church, didn't read the Bible didn't really believe that Jesus was the only way to know God. Um, I thought if there was a God, it was probably bigger than all of that, you know, kind of imagined that the same God was probably in the middle of all of it. Um, and to some degree, I still believe that, but I'll, I'll unpack that a bit. Um, what happened was at, at age 20, just before my 21st birthday, um, I hit a really rough patch in my life and uh, I'd been in a relationship for two years and it wasn't a good relationship. It was quite an abusive relationship and I was in financial debt because I'd gotten a credit card and got, gone a bit wild with it. And so I had like six grand of debt, no income. Um, the songwriting, singing thing was becoming like this, this weight in my life because 
I was desperate for an opportunity and I really believed I deserved one and I was totally willing to work for it. You know, I would go to every audition. I was on trains and coaches at all hours of the day and night going to to meet producers and meet managers. And I was doing everything that I could do, but it just wasn't happening. And I was really struggling with my self-esteem as a result, because I was like, what is wrong with me? And I was really convinced it was my physical appearance that was the problem because um, I knew I could sing, like, you know, I'd been in enough studios with enough producers um, and I knew that my songs were good, especially for my age um, and were heading somewhere great. Um, and I just didn't know why I kept getting no after no after no. And I just presumed it was because I wasn't pretty enough. And I mean, I'd been in lots of auditions where the kind, the kind of girls that were auditioning were really going for it on the on the look. So they were, you know, nowadays it would have been the girls with the the filler and Botox and big hair and like glamorous, you know, glamorous and put together and, you know, just super cool, super well-dressed, all of that. Um, that's who was in the audition room with me half of the time. And, and I would watch them get called and I would watch them get through to the next round. And I'd be like, well, I really, I mean, honestly, like the way I look right now, jeans and a shirt, that's my go-to. That's how I feel comfortable. And I did step it up a bit for auditions, but I just thought, you know, I'm just not good enough. So um, I remember hitting this moment um, where I got pulled into a, what I now know was like a worship meeting, was like a, a musical, it was like church, but mainly with music. Um, and I just stood in the audience and listened to the songs and just felt overwhelmed by emotion and desperately needing something to change in my life. And so I prayed and I didn't actually know what I was doing really. I just said, God, if you're real, can you help me? Can you change my life? I feel empty. I feel like I've got no purpose. I feel like my life is hitting a dead end. I'm in this horrible relationship that's breaking me. Um, and that was my prayer. And then from that moment, it was like something had changed inside. Can't really even explain what happened, but it just felt like something about me, the old me had, had gone and there was a new beginning in my hands. And um, I've, I thought, okay, what is this? So I, I went to church a couple of times. I did the alpha course, which for anyone who doesn't know is, it's something that churches often run for new people who are new to faith um, or people who are learning, seeking, interested. And so you go and you have a meal and you have a chat and you ask questions and usually you watch a video or hear a talk. And um, I did the Alpha course and it was just like, it spoke to me on such a deep level that every week I would come with these questions like, but what about people who don't believe? And what about people who die before they hear about Jesus? And what about all these things? And, and every week it was like God had heard me and he would just answer, answer, answer. And um, I mean, he didn't give me all the answers. He's saving some of those for heaven, but um, he gave me enough answers that I was truly and utterly convinced. And um, I just remember thinking there's no going back. That's it now. I am a hundred percent. This is what I've always been looking for. The truth that I've always been seeking. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I started. Would you say that um, 
potentially, you know, you were trying to fill maybe a hole with, I don't know, with relationships or with like material things, like you said, with your credit card. And actually the only thing that would fill that hole was like accepting Jesus into your life. Yes, I think so. Um, And I think that's like an ongoing thing with life, even as a believer. Uh, I love Russell Brand. He's a great, great writer, great thinker. Um, I don't agree with everything he says and believes, but I think he's he's a very profound person. And uh, he said something almost like he's not a Christian. He's a he believes in God, but he said, you know, there's the reason people become addicts, the reason people end up doing things that are really destructive to their lives is because there's an emptiness. There is an emptiness within all of us and God will only ever fill that emptiness. Um, and it's true every day, even for those of us who, who know God. So it's kind of like a regular filling. And if we don't, if we don't look for that deeper fullness that can only come from God, then we'll end up, um, you know, watching too much trash on telly or getting irate about politics and world opinion. Like we'll end up being on Facebook seven hours a day and arguing with people and or, or wasting spending money on things that won't make us happy. Um, that's that's the way I see it anyway. Yeah. And from then becoming a Christian, did you find, I don't know, did did, did everything with your career kind of fit into place? Were you right? What was the change like to then Christian music or when you started mm. writing about that? There was a whole season of humbling that happened for me because I basically stopped gigging. Um, I stopped writing in terms of like the stuff I had been doing and I picked up the guitar for the first time. That's when I started to play guitar, really. Um, I tinkled with it before, but that was the first time I really got hold of it. And um, I was just working things out like just singing writing expressing myself and i just figured out that i could play and it was just really it came together really quickly and um i just found that the type of songs i was writing were much more authentic i just became an artist i think before that i'd been a singer a bit and someone who could write songs but i became an artist when the real me connected with the gift that i had um, and that was like the zing moment where I was like, okay, this is me now. And um, it didn't fall into place straight away. I just played like anywhere that would have me. I went from like tiny little coffee mornings in churches, two or three people um, to people's personal, you know, backyard barbecue parties. And then eventually I started to get invitations to churches and um that kind of snowballed into festivals and that snowballed into um, my mainstream events. I I started to work in a local studio doing a bit of songwriting in the pop world again and um, got an invitation to go on tour with Lionel Richie and that turned into an invitation to go on tour with Leona Lewis. And then like, it just, yeah, I just think the key thing was the real me connecting with my gifts and abilities. And then I think Jesus was the, Jesus was the secret secret sauce (laughs) it's a terrible thing to say about the savior but you know what i'm saying jesus was the jesus was like the element that was missing but actually what jesus did was also really important which was connect me with my true self yeah as a christian artist was it harder to break in like obviously you said about the 
the churches you were doing in that was it harder to sort of break into and I'm in quotes like mainstream media like would would your songs I don't know be harder to get on the charts let's say because they're not about sex and drugs and alcohol I never really thought about it I just kind of I was so excited to be on this sort of otherworldly mission of like sharing Jesus with people that I didn't really think about how it was going to work I just was like I want to share this story and it is radical you know like when when you hear a person being so open about faith um in a way that's not packaged uh religiously but a way that's just really open and human it is quite interesting and um and things just happen so we always just said look this is for everybody even though it's not about those things you just mentioned it's sex drugs and rock and roll it's for everybody and it's a human story about finding truth and freedom and everybody can connect with that in some way so um from day one with the first album launch we did it was a free event and we I invited all the people that I was working with in the restaurant that I worked in at the time. And that was in 2007. And I invited all my mates from school and I invited, well, the two or three that were still talking to me. Um, I invited lots of people who weren't from church background. And the second album launch, we did one in church and we did one in a local club. And we were like, we're definitely taking this out of church. Um, and just slowly, I think like the big turning point really for connecting, was in 2011, where I released a song called I Am Amazing. And I Am Amazing was like my beauty and self-esteem battle song. So it was like those feelings of being inadequate at auditions, those feelings of being less than and wanting to change my appearance. Um, I told the story of that and I believe God made me the way I am. And that sort of gentle reference to God seemed to travel perfectly with it didn't come up against any walls of um people hating me because i was a christian or anything it just was like i can buy that i can get on board with that if if god is a god that loves me if i am made uh in such a way that is important and valuable by that god then i can get on board with that and so it was just then that i realized that actually you know jesus really is for everybody and as long as we share Jesus in such a way that um, is accessible to people, then he'll he'll find his way out of church and he'll find his way out of boxes that we that we put him in. Yeah, you mentioned some of the kind of I don't know your career highlights, like with Lionel Richie, Leon Lewis, things like that. What's been your favorite moment to date? Oh, there've been so many. I'll never forget. Um, we did a tour with Little Mix across Europe. And we sort of played these huge venues um, in places like Amsterdam and Paris and um, just these enormous venues with just full of teenage girls and a couple of boys, but mainly teenage girls. And the moment of singing that song, I am amazing. And seeing every one of them op open their phone and stick the torch on and cry and, and just feel it and get it. I was like, oh, God made me for this moment. And um, and just in the same way, though, like God's uh, opened doors for me to go and play in places like an eating disorder inpatient ward um, where it was five girls and two boys and them seeing it hit them as well. And just I think it's that 
that moment where your pain and your issues become somebody else's healing that's you know you really can't put a price on that <laughs> it's the best thing in the world yeah and i'm just keep saying yeah after you answer because what you're saying is so good um how do like little mix get in touch with you do you do they just be like oh hey philippa we've heard your song she'd really be good for our tour or is it how does that work because that's something i've always wanted. no i wish no it, it doesn't no it doesn't usually work like that little mix are so busy being little mix um when it comes to things like that it, it it falls into the hands of promoters and record labels and management um and basically you just put your name in the hat you know you say here's my pitch here i am here's my music um i can do it i can you know i can finance my own j journeys and travel and I'm, I'm good um and they basically make a choice based on what they think is going to fit and so every every single tour that I've had, it's felt miraculous. Cause I was like, really, am I the person for a little mix tour? Little mix is like their gig was high octane, super loud, massive stack dancers, such a, a big pop like extravaganza. And there's me with my guitar. I'm a husband on, on a cajon. Um, <laughs> but it's the power of songs, the power of songs and, and singing. Um, because the minute we came out and started singing and playing, they were just, the fans were just crazy. They just loved it. Um, it taught me a lot actually about like, we sometimes we expect that the bigger is going to be the better or like the, the, the more spectacular something is, the more it's going to draw people in. But actually I've found kind of the opposite. It's like, sometimes if you can get to that sort of really intimate level, that's very raw and real and unedited and uh, unfiltered sometimes that's exactly what that girl that teenage girl sitting all alone in her bedroom or going to a gig and feeling alone or feeling like this must be the answer a little mix must be the answer to my loneliness like it's it's the way that that kind of smaller cuts through which is really fascinating yeah well I, so I saw you live in 2019 in May in the Philharmonic in Liverpool with the Kingdom Choir. Um, oh. That was a really good, good uh, concert. Um, I bet that was amazing, like being there with them, because I find, you know, that song they sang at, um, were, oh, not William, Harry and Meghan's Wedding, Stand By. Yeah. Love the lyrics, but like there was something to their their songs and their voices that, I don't know, gave me goosebumps. And I think as well that with the preacher at their wedding, who just was absolutely amazing. And me and my mum and dad were like, we've got to go and see this tour. Um, what was it like with them on tour? Yeah, that was almost like the two worlds colliding perfectly. The sort of the secular and the sacred, um, because a gospel choir, can just make its way into almost any heart. Like my, one of my closest friends is a straight up atheist. And you know, I've been working on her for years and she's not budging <laughs> at the moment. We're good, really good friends. And we talk really openly about it. Um, but even she is obsessed with gospel music. And so I think like me coming along, sharing my story and songs, and then them just laying out this beautiful heavenly sound with their voices. Um, it was kind of just the perfect pairing, that one. So like where where I kind of thought, 
why would little mix fans enjoy me um it was kind of the perfect i knew that people who came to see the kingdom choir would be open to to my stuff it was brilliant and we did the royal albert hall and it was sold out and um that was a really good moment because i was like how did this happen you know i i was like a a broken teenager really at the end of myself uh never imagined i could do something like this and yet here i am and you know that's kind of a miracle i remember you singing that amazing song because i remember like you, you were talking about it beforehand and then you sang it and i just remember everyone like I don't think I can't remember the torch in that but I remember just like it hitting me and then I remember like my mum put her arm around me I'm pretty sure and just like that moment and it was like yeah it just felt good in your core it felt like it, it like fit your heart mm-hmm. as well it was a really nice nice concert again um so if we skip forward a few years obviously then the pandemic hit what was what was the pandemic like for you and was it a space where you just wrote loads of songs in the beginning, it was like that. <laughs> I mean, there was the initial panic of losing all my work um, as a performer. And then, yeah, there was space. It was like, okay, the government's going to pay furlough to my husband and, you know, we'll, we'll make it work. And it was sunny and lovely and I did lots of work. And then I got pregnant with my first baby. Um, and so my sh- sort of focus shifted a little bit to the pregnancy um and i made a christmas ep which was really good um but then once she was born it was just really rough like being in hard lockdown with a newborn um i I don't think anything could have ever prepared me for that and um I, i just felt really overwhelmed and like whatever pregnancy does to some women in terms of hormones it really really struck me and so I really was extremely anxious and really low. And um, it was a, a tough season, to be honest. Um, but God has helped us through. You know, you just have to keep going. And I'm thankful for my husband and my good support network, really. Um, we made it through, but it was very difficult. Did you take anything from that song that got shared on social media? Was it The Blessing? It was mm. viral. Did you were you involved in that, or what did you think of that when it got shared? I wasn't involved, but nearly every artist I know in the Christian world was involved. Lots of churches were represented. It was amazing to see it fly like that because it was just I don't know. It felt like if you go back, if you can remember what it felt like in the early days of lockdown, it felt like the world was united in this experience, mm. and God. You could hear God in a different way, like, or you could sense God in a different way. Um, and I just really felt like it was, yeah, like a bit of a move of God to see that go so viral. Yeah, I remember like there's a lyric in it and it was like, um, oh gosh, now I'm going to forget it. It was like, we're praying, oh, generations before you. And it's like they're praying for your children and their children and their children and their children. And I really like that thought coming from sort of a family that had faith for as long as we go back that like my grand, my granny and great, great grandparents have all kind of preyed on, on us. And it just feels that, that lyric particularly got me in that. And like you said, all the different sort of diversities in the world, all singing together on that. It was really, really moving. Um, I was having a bit of a look and seeing you've also written a book. Mm. What's that about? 
I've written a few. Um, so the latest one is called Known, and I wish I had a copy of it in this room, but I don't. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. Um, it is like an interactive identity journey. So it's about the journey of figuring out who you are in God. So, and by in God, I mean, who are we in the context of God, of being our father, us being God's children, um, of God being our creator. That's what I mean by in God. So who are we if we presume that God created us and he loves us? And um, it takes you through some of the more deep components of identity. Because I think we really reduce it to very surface things or very sort of generic things. So like, for instance, we might say, oh, I identify as female, I identify as, as uh, straight, I'm a musician, I'm a wife, I'm whatever. Um, all these kind of things that are very sort of surface level to some degree. Um, we're more than just like our background, our age, our race, our gender. Um, like we're, we're very complex and very unique. So I was, I kind of try and guide the reader to consider, okay, but like, what do I believe? What are my passions? Um, what kind of relationships am I building? What kind of future am I building? And, um, but to like journey those things really honestly, because I think honesty is the most important thing um, in your journey with God and in life, you know, gotta be real about what you're going through and who you are. So it sort of starts with when it says, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about others? And you can sort of really go into that and then figure out, okay, why do I believe those things? And is that helping me or not? <laughs> and um, if it's not, how can I change those beliefs so that they will be more constructive? So it, yeah, that's kind of what that one's about. Um, but I do have a copy of my devotional as well, Amazing You, which is just a 365 day daily reading for healthy, sort of self-image and a healthy approach to your dreams and your sort of god-given life purposes that sounds good you're also involved with um the charity compassion um <clears throat> do you I, I know what that is i've i sponsored two children but do you want to maybe explain what that is what they do yeah compassion uk um are really well established child sponsorship organization um organization that works with the poorest of the poor across the world and what makes them unique is that they are church-based so um, they work with little churches across the world and projects that are based in churches um, and they're focused on children children's needs children's lives children's future and it's focused around christ it's christ-centered so children who get involved in these projects they get um, they get to know about God and the love of God and they get all their practical needs overseen. So whether that's nutrition, vaccinations, medicines, education, clothing, um, training for a job for the future. Um, some, some projects you can have a child in there for till they're 20 in their twenties. Um, and I actually sponsor a boy who's in his twenties, um, I think he's 20 actually. Uh, but yeah, it, it's amazing. And you write to the child, you have communication, you send photos and you sort of just get to build with them and come alongside them and help them out of poverty, which is just so important, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, giving to those and helping them grow in faith is such a, a good and exciting thing to do. If you were to tell your former sort of teenage self some advice, you know, from where you are now looking back, um, what would you tell them? Hmm. Good question. I think I would just say it's going to be okay. Um, and a lot of the things that you feel are breaking you will eventually be the making of you. Um, and that's, that's definitely something I've encountered. You know, the things I thought would finish me off, like being anxious, being depressed at 16, um, having difficult relationships, having trouble getting my career started. Like all of those things have been such gifts to me later in life, just thanks to the grace of God. So, um, I would tell her, I would tell 16 year old Philippa, you're going to become a Christian and it's going to change everything. <laughs> um, but don't worry, because it's all going to be useful what you're going through. Do you have um, a Bible verse that kind of resonates with you now or one that you're kind of one to refer to in times of need? Um, Philippians 4 verse 13 is one of my favourite verses and that's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and I think I think that's really good to hang on to because it, it could be, you know, nursing a crying newborn on your own when they're six weeks old and your your partner's having to drive for a living because of the pandemic. Um, whether it's that or whether it's getting on stage at the Royal Albert Hall or whether it's, you know, dealing with a difficult work situation or trying to figure out how you're going to pay the next bill that you didn't expect. Um, I can do all things through Christ. Um, it just, it just keeps coming back. It just keeps giving. Yeah. If we move to now very quickly. So are you currently writing an album? What's kind of the future for you? I'm always writing, always working on music. The next thing I'm going to do actually is I'm going to be doing an acoustic sessions um, video piece and it'll be audio as well. So it'll be available on Spotify and things like that. Um, it will be acoustic versions of some of my more recent songs. Um, and it's going to be a chance to get an acoustic band together and play them live and record it all. So I'm really excited about that. That's going to happen in the next couple of months. Um, and yeah, who knows? Who knows what's around the corner? Definitely. So if people kind of have listened today and they're like, you know what? I want to see Philippa Hannah live. She's amazing, very inspirational. Have you got tour dates or anything? How can people kind of follow along and know where to see you live? Yes, I just updated all my website stuff. So if you go to philippahanna.com, that's Philippa with one L and two Ps, three Ps if you count the first one. Philippa with three Ps, Philippa Hanna, no H on the end of Hanna, so H-A-N-N-A.com, philippahanna.com. Uh, you can find all my tour dates and you can find my music and you can find books and a few like blogs and things like that with some inspirational thoughts. Um, and yeah, I would love to see you guys at a gig. Oh, well, bless you. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been so interesting and, and just really, I think will hit home for a lot of people just like the love that God has for them. So thanks for that. Thank you for helping me to share it. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.
To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.